Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'll give you a name for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's called Corn Dog. It's called what? Corn Dog. It's not called Corn Dog. Oh, yeah. Is it called corn dog? Nothing better than a good corn dog with some mustard and, and uh, ketchup. But he doesn't step into the huddle and say corn dog. Oh, no, he says corn dog. Don't do it less, already exiled, 35 whack corn dog. There it is. It wasn't just corn dog. We heard some other stuff. Capped by 35Y Corndog, but Corndog, the name of the play. I loved your reaction, Peter, too. You thought Andy Reid was messing with you, taking the liberty of just having won the Super Bowl to mess with you and just make up the name of the play as something other than it was, but it was Corndog. That, that was great. That was great. And, and again, we talked about this earlier. When that play happened, when Kendarius Turney does the 180 and he's wide open, when Darius Slay's going to the other side and doesn't notice that he turned around, that was the play. That was the moment that gave the Chiefs the lead with the extra point, which was hardly automatic after Butker missed the 42-yard field goal. But still, they took the lead, and that was the play. And then they did something like it, sort of, on the other side of the field on the next drive. So um, tell us more about, about Corndog, how it came to be, and why it worked so well in that moment. Well, a little bit of inside football, inside baseball, whatever. I knew that after this game, uh, that one of the things I really wanted to do, because look, there's there were 6,000 media people at this game. Everybody's going to write stuff. Everybody's going to be talking to stuff. I think if Kansas City won, I had a chance, because I've known Andy Reid since 1995, to find out some really good inside stuff about why whatever happened, happened. So I had planted the seed with him a couple of weeks ago after the AFC championship game. Hey, listen, if there's one play in this game that wins the game and you win the game, I want to know what it is. Now, he didn't guarantee me anything, didn't assure me anything. But if you saw that whole video that that our video extraordinaire person, Annie Koblitz, shot, you know, it, first of all, I have to explain to you, we were in less of an office than a, a cubicle, okay? Andy Reid's grandson, Maverick, was in there, and Andy Reid's agent, Bob Lamont, was in there. So I sat there right across from Andy, and Annie Koblitz, to get this video, had to scrunch herself into a tiny person in a corner and put the camera on us. And so anyway, and so at, at first, Andy did not want to tell me the name of the play. He wanted to save that. And and I just said to him, hey, look, NFL Films is going to have this everywhere uh, by midweek. So, you know, you, you should just tell me. And so anyway, he said, okay, I'm going to tell you it's corndog. But I'm going to tell you why, in my opinion, this thing works so well, that no matter how much the Eagles scouted Kansas City during the course of the year, there was only one play that they could have seen, as Andy Reid told me, he said, we only ran the jet motion and then reverse jet motion one time in over 1,200 snaps all season. Okay, so here it is. Here it is. They only ran it one time. 
And look, you know, I mean, it sort of worked, but it certainly didn't work as well as it as it did in the Super Bowl. And and my thanks to our great staff at PFT for finding that play. But that's the only time they ran it. It was in the first play, or first game of the season on the exact same field that it actually happened again. And Mike, I want to fast forward just a little bit now and tell you one thing about the Sky Moore play, all right, which is incredible to me. On the Sky Moore play, uh, the tight end, Travis Kelsey, lined up on the wrong side of the field. He lined up to the right, not to the left. And so what happened on the Sky Moore play is that Patrick Mahomes had to figure out, okay, what am I going to do without the protection of Travis Kelsey on the left side of the field. There was no one to sort of act as a rub route or a screen for Sky Moore. And so Mahomes just gambled, quite honestly, that he he wasn't going to motion Travis Kelsey over to that side to draw more attention to that side. He said, I am just going to throw hope that uh, they don't come back and cover Sky Moore. And that's exactly what happened on the play. And it's amazing, too, Peter, because I have been heaping copious amounts of praise on Patrick Mahomes in the aftermath of the game. I've said that I would take Patrick Mahomes right now over any quarterback in the history of the sport. At his best, I would take Mahomes. And one of the pushbacks is, oh, oh, I could throw the wide open touchdowns that he threw, but... It's not just the throw, it's the circumstance where, as you explained in Football Morning in America, that was an option run or pass. He had to recognize the pass was going to work. He had to recognize Darius Slay wasn't paying enough attention to Kadarius Tony when Tony spun back around to go with the pass. It's a split-second decision you have to make. He had to make the decision on the Sky Moore play to go ahead and follow through. He could have called a timeout. He could have aborted. He could have done something other than just say, screw it, I'm going to make this work. So that's part of his greatness. He's got a confidence that he's going to figure it out, that he's going to think his way through it before he throws that simple little pass. It's not just the throw. There's other things that go into it, and Mahomes is proving that, that he has that. Okay, so which play will be remembered most in Chiefs lore? We go back to 65 Toss Power Trap from Super Bowl Four, Jet Chip Wasp from Super Bowl 54, or Corn Dog from Super Bowl 57. Which one stands out the most to you, Peter? Well, I mean, in my opinion, I think uh, I think because in corn in the case of Corn Dog. I think the last two are going to be remembered far more than 65 toss power trap because the, the, the play against San Francisco was an absolute desperation play on third and 15. And so if they don't make that play, there's a very good chance they lose this game. And what made this play so great is that Patrick Mahomes came to the sideline and told Eric Bieniemy he wanted to run it and do we have enough time to run this play and he became convinced that even if he were under pressure he'd rather move around in the pocket and risk getting hit and maybe getting in some traffic because he knew that deep downfield that Tyreek Hill had a very good chance of getting open uh, in this in between the seams of San Francisco's defense. Here's why I think Corndog might be remembered more than any of them. Because, Mike, if if we can run this play one more time, and if we can just talk about why it worked so well, it's the perfect example of Andy Reid and his open-minded coaching staff. Okay, and I'm going to explain to you Watch what happens with Kadarius Toney when he runs in there and then runs back and Darius Slade does not go back with him, okay? Andy Reid knew that, okay? He knew, as his coaches knew, that there was a very good chance that Darius Slade was going to try to pass off Kadarius Toney to another member of the secondary. And either Darius Slade didn't pass him off to, to have somebody else take him, or he simply didn't didn't do it, you know? So 
I think the reason why I think that's so significant, Mike, there were 793 touchdown passes in the NFL this year. 793. These two touchdown passes were in the bottom 2% of all touchdown passes in the league as far as defensive space around them. Kadarius Toney had 11.2 yards of separation from the nearest Philadelphia defender. Sky Moore had 13.1 yards of separation between him and the nearest uh, Eagles defender. And that is from Next Gen Stats, uh, NFL Next Gen Stats. And of the 793 touchdown passes this year in the NFL, those were in the in in the top 16 or the bottom 16 in terms of the amount of space around a player. In other words, 98% of all other touchdown passes this year were more closely contested than those two. And the reason why I bring that up is that speaks to Andy Reid out coaching the other team. And that is going to go down, in my opinion, when Andy Reid's coaching epitaph is written, whatever it is, it's going to be written that the final two touchdowns scored in the 2022 football season were scored in Super Bowl 57, orchestrated by Andy Reid and his offensive coaching staff to be two of the most wide-open plays all season in the National Football League. And I go back to last week when we broke down the struggles of the Eagles defense when motion happens. And you would think that that defensive coaching staffs and players would adjust better when guys go in motion. It happens fairly often. But I remember thinking as we were doing this segment, boy, if we know this, the Chiefs surely know it. And the Chiefs are going to be in a position to do something about it. And the Eagles better be working to deal with these issues and whatever they did it wasn't enough because as you said both guys as open as anyone has gotten all year long or more open than anyone has gotten all year long all right let's focus on the chiefs free agents we talked about the eagles earlier in the show true or false peter orlando brown the left tackle for whom they traded with the ravens at some point in the not too distant past to get he's the one free agent the chiefs absolutely need to resign true or false Um, well, I would say it's true. I would say he's clearly, uh, their most important free agent. But Mike, if, if somebody out there offers him 30 million bucks, if somebody offers him a Tyreek Hill, uh, contract, um, and somebody might, I don't think Brett Veach will resign him. And I mean, obviously they want to resign him, but I think Andy Reid, and Brett Veach have done a good job in in placing proper valuations on their players. And I think they will do the same thing this year. The Orlando Brown trade with the Baltimore Ravens in 2021 resulted in the Ravens getting a first-round pick, a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and a 2022 fifth-rounder, but giving back Brown a second-rounder and a sixth-rounder. So it wasn't a straight first-round pick. It was a flip-flop of a one and a two, but there was other stuff, too. My point is the Chiefs made an investment in Orlando Brown. They got two seasons out of him, franchise-tagged him last year, and they're looking at a 20% bump or long-term deal or he hits the open market. And the bottom line is this. You better have a plan to replace him. The plan for replacing Tyree Kill was pretty simple. We'll go without the game-breaking speed guy to whom Patrick Mahomes is tempted to hold the ball a little bit too long so he can throw it 60 yards in the air. We'll just run the offense and throw to the open man. Slightly different with a left tackle. You better have somebody step in who can play left tackle. There isn't a different approach you can take to the left tackle. You can't say, we're fine without a left tackle. We're fine without... Pete, let me let me talk. We're fine without a left tackle. You have to have a plan B for a left tackle. And uh, that that's my concern. And they know it's not going to be cheap, but hey, Pete, Peter, when they, when they take the... 
Patrick Mahomes deal, which is incredibly team-friendly, and it's getting more and more team-friendly every year relative to the salary cap. One of the reasons Patrick Mahomes did that deal is so they could keep other great players, and this is one of those situations where maybe Orlando Brown is one of the great players you keep, and maybe you do what the Patriots used to do to Tom Brady, not to Tom Brady, but with the Tom Brady contract. It becomes very powerful when other guys are trying to be pigs at the trough to say, wait a minute, the quarterback isn't. Why should you be? Don't you want to be part of this? And the Patriots work that into like a 10-year thing in New England. Maybe this is the first real test of that, Peter. Can they get Orlando Brown to be like Patrick Mahomes and not insist on top dollar? Well, I mean, that's going to be a big question because you saw last year in the spring that reportedly anyway, the demands of, of Orlando Brown on a new on a new contract were seemed excessive. Okay, so we're going to see right now what Orlando Brown does this offseason. And this will be his one big chance for a payday probably in his NFL career, unless he ends up like a, a Trent Williams or, a, you know, or one of those guys who plays forever. Um, I, I think what I would what I would say, Mike, is everything about it. I agree with you other than the fact that I just don't think that uh, Reed and Veach are going to be held hostage. And if I think if Orlando Brown insists on whatever the number is, 30 million, I, I don't, I have no idea what it'll be. No one knows, but if he insists on money that is out of sight in their, in their cap planning, I think they would either try to franchise him a second time. What would it be about 20 million? They franchise a twenty percent bump over last year. Whatever it was last year, yeah. times one point two. Yeah, yeah. I'll look it up here. Real I, quick. I would. Yeah. I yeah. Look it up and tell me. But to me, I think rather than rather than look at this as something that here's the one guy we really need. Kansas City has just not acted that way, and they put an exclamation point on it last year with Tyreek Hill. You know when they thought that they could get a decent deal for Tyreek Hill rather than continue to pay him what he wanted, which is at the very top of the market. Now, they did make him a great offer at the end, surprising Tyreek Hill and his agent, Drew Rosenhaus. I just have a lot of questions about whether they would do in the range of $28, 30000000 million for Orlando Brown long-term. Peter, you were so close when you said $20 million. Because last year it was 16.662 million. You multiply that by 1.2. That's how you bump it by 20%. The number is 19.9944. And under the rules of price of <laughs> price is right, you've gone over. So womp womp. But but you were very, very close. Yeah. So it's just about 20 million to keep Orlando Brown for one more year. And maybe that's what they'll do. The thing that we can't forget. The cap keeps going up and up and up. So these numbers, which sound big in isolation, relative to what's available, they get smaller every year. And and I keep going back to this tension I always have. Get as much as you can while you can. They're only paying you because you're great. The minute you're no longer great, they're no longer paying you great money. That tension on one hand versus being part of a championship team that keeps winning. But what's that Super Bowl ring really do? Once you've got one, then you got two. Okay, fine. But I'm taking care of my family. I've got money I can invest in other businesses, generational wealth, et cetera, et cetera. These are the, the issues that players have to resolve. I want to do one last item before we take our break. And this was the one that was actually getting kicked to the curb, but I'm fascinated by this one. Fill in the blank. The Chiefs' biggest obstacle to repeating as Super Bowl champions is what? Uh, the greatness of three or four other quarterbacks in the AFC. And look, Mike, you know, what I find really interesting right now is just the simple fact that next year, you know, Kansas City is going to be playing in what I think will probably be at least a slightly fortified division. You know, they haven't lost. Patrick Mahomes hasn't lost in the division on the road ever. 
and any and they've hardly lost any games in their division in recent years. But I do think that the addition of Sean Payton makes Denver 20% more dangerous, maybe 30% more dangerous, okay? I also think the fact that Philadelphia, uh, or they, they've got a very tough schedule. They play next year, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. And obviously, uh, they play, uh, the, you know, the Chargers twice, and so Justin Herbert twice. Kansas City's got a really tough schedule. And and look, I'm not saying that home field means all that much, particularly when you have Patrick Mahomes. He's proven he doesn't care where the games are played. But I do think that the biggest obstacle is not the re-signing of Orlando Brown. It's the fact that there are so many good quarterbacks in the AFC. We haven't even talked about Lamar Jackson because – we're not positive where he's going to be, but if he's in Baltimore, that makes the Ravens obviously really, really dangerous. So I just look at it and think that the quality of opposition for uh, Kansas City is far higher and far deeper in the AFC than the quality of opposition for Philadelphia in the NFC. That was a great answer. I'm going to give you mine in a much less uh, amount of time. Joe Burrow. That's the biggest obstacle. Because Joe Burrow was 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes in calendar year 2022. And Joe Burrow, for a moment there, longer than a moment, it felt like after the Chiefs were up 10, that Joe Burrow was going to do to Patrick Mahomes what Patrick Mahomes does to other teams when he's down 10. It felt like they were going to drive down the field and win the game until Chris Jones forced the intentional grounding, sacked Joe Burrow to end the drive, and then all of a sudden the Chiefs have the ball back, and I thought we're going to overtime until Joseph Asai did what he did, which I still feel horrible for the kid because he was caught in a tough spot, but it happened. He got flagged. Field goal, makeable. Harrison Butker kicks it through, and the Chiefs advance, and you forget how hard it was to overcome the Bengals. So I think the Bengals and Joe Burrow are the biggest obstacles. And, Peter, that home schedule next year for the Chiefs. Renew your season tickets now, folks, because it features the Eagles, the Bills, and the Bengals. Three of the nine home games, well, eight, because one's going to be played in Germany. Wouldn't it be something, I know they're telling us to break, but wouldn't it be something if one of those three games is the Germany game for the Chiefs. I don't think it will it be, won't. but wouldn't it be something no, if the NFL be. exports well, They don't need to. They don't need to. They don't need to. Um, they don't. They could be the Chiefs against a local group of German players who hit him and just anybody against the Chiefs, and they're going to fill that stadium. So it doesn't have to be one of the great games on the schedule. Let's take a you know, break. Mike, Mike last, thing, news. last thing on this subject. Go ahead. Last thing on this subject. So I wrote the other day, that the two games in Germany are going to be played on consecutive Sundays in November. Two 9.30 a.m. Eastern games. One will be the Patriots being the home team. The other will be Kansas City being the home team. And you're right. Kansas City has an embarrassment of riches. Can you imagine even, even if they put the Chargers or the Lions as the team there? That would be a great, potentially, a really great football game. And then obviously, you know, the Patriots being over there with Belichick in the span of eight days, Germany is going to have two excellent football games. That really is incredible. When you think of the excitement for the one game this year to put both of them there that close together, the folks in Germany are going to get uh, just a little more, enough of a taste. I think it's going to make them want even more. And we talk about teams in London eventually, I think, as Roger Goodell suggested during the season, four-team division at some point with a team or two in Germany to go with a team or two in London. All right, coaching news to discuss. We'll do that when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, And with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win. 
defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. You were a multi-sport athlete in high school, had a lot of success in different sports like a lot of these guys. Why football for you? Nothing compares to a football game in the world. Uh, maybe seeing your babies born, but that's about it. Um, so, <laughs> I, I, I mean, there's nothing like running out of the tunnel. There's really not. Jonathan Gannon ready to run out of the tunnel with the Cardinals team that who the hell knows where they are right now. Kyler Murray recovering from the torn ACL. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know enough about what really happened behind the curtain, not that anyone does, as to who was or wasn't interested in the job. But, but Peter, of the five vacancies, for me, that probably been, would have been the one that I would have been the least interested in because it just feels like that team is in the biggest state of flux and uncertainty right now. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. As you saw a bunch of people, you know, just sort of melting away from that job and sort of really steering clear of it. Um, I just, I don't think there's a lot of, I I don't think there's a lot of hope that that situation can be turned around quickly. And I just think there's a general air of mystery around Kyler Murray right now. And what are you going to get with him? Uh, how are you going to coach him? Who is going to coach him? It's just, it's a total, I just think it's a total mystery what this team is going to be. But I do know this, Mike, in a uh, 13-month span, uh, starting with the second week of December of 2021, a 13-month span, that team went from being the number one seed in the NFC at that moment, with a month left in the 2021 season, they went from being the number one seed in the NFC to a job, basically, that, you know, Michael Bidwill, I'm not saying he went hat in hand with, but was easily the least attractive job. When you're a less attractive job than the Houston Texans, you've got to say something to yourself. you got to say, we got to start from ground zero here. And so... That's what I think Monty Austin Fort and Jonathan Gannon have to do. And patience is going to be the key, especially because half of this season will likely be played without Kyler Murray. What Gannon said yesterday regarding an offensive coordinator, because Gannon, a defensive guy, this is a critical hire for him. This is the guy that's going to be working with Kyler Murray. Everything we do will be structured around the quarterback, and we have an elite one. And yes, when he's healthy, Absolutely, but he's got to get healthy. We've seen plenty of guys never be the same again, lose just a little bit of that explosiveness after tearing the ACL, maybe set himself up for other injuries. And with Kyler Murray, obviously, staying healthy is a challenge because he's not a big guy. So they've got to get the most out of him. They paid him last year. They undermined the relationship with that stupid study clause. And now they move on to a different coach, and the challenge is going to be to get the most out of him. Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator there for four years, was granted his release, reportedly, from his contract. He is going to interview with the Broncos and the Eagles to be defensive coordinator there. And that makes sense, Peter, because you've got Jonathan Gannon, defensive guy. I feel bad for Vance Joseph that he wasn't available sooner. He was under contract and they kind of squatted on him. He may have had other options, but at least he's got two viable options moving forward. 
Yeah, and I think what's really interesting, you talk about Vance Joseph in Denver, you know, the fact that Rex Ryan is interested in the job and Sean Payton has some interest in Rex Ryan. I think that is going to be interesting to watch, but I do think Vance Joseph has got a really good chance to get one of these two jobs. Be a little awkward for him to go back to Denver, uh, you know, after being the failed head coach there for two years. But, um, you know, in football, a lot of oddities happen. This would be one of them. It's the Gunther Cunningham career path. He once went back to Kansas City as the defensive coordinator after being the head coach. The Buccaneers have hired Dave Canales to be the offensive coordinator. 13 seasons with the Seahawks. Quarterbacks coach last season. That's not a very attractive job either because you have no idea who the quarterback in Tampa Bay is going to be unless Tom Brady decides after 40 days of retirement to come back again. I have a feeling that's far less likely to happen this year. Yeah, I mean, the only the only quarterback they have under contract is Kyle Trask. And so, you know, and Kyle Trask, we know less than zero about right now. So clearly Tampa Bay is going to be in the market for a veteran quarterback, whether it's somebody, uh, you know, who is closer to the end than the beginning, whether it's somebody like Ryan Tannehill or whether, you know, they decide to get in the Derek Carr stakes for some reason, I doubt they would go for Derek Carr because they're in cap. They're being really pinched by the cap. And a lot of these contracts they signed with guys uh, basically had phony years on the end. So, the you know, the Piper is going to come calling this year and next year just to make sure that they get rid of some of the cap obligations on guys who deferred a lot of their money and the, and the Bucks helped them defer it by putting phony years on the end of those contracts. So I don't know that they can go and be very serious about going to get a 30 or $35 million quarterback in, in Derek Carr. That reminds me of one of the little blips of news that came up last weekend that I don't think I ever wrote about, and I don't know whether or not any of the other folks at PFT did, that the Bucks are just going to take the $35.1 million cap charge for Tom Brady this year instead of trying to get yeah. him to do a dummy contract that would spread it out over to like 11 and 24, which would be more palatable this year. They're just going to take it. Now, part of that may be he was never going to do that dummy contract, which does leave the door open for him to come back because he becomes a free agent without that dummy contract. Otherwise, the Bucks would hold his rights. But that makes it harder to go out and pay a, a quarterback big money. If you're, if you're accounting under your cap, think about that. Your salary cap has a charge on it of $35 million for a guy who's not there. And that's become more commonplace. As the cap goes up, those numbers aren't as shocking. Last year, the Falcons had, what, $40 million on the books for Matt Ryan? So it happens. And that's, that's the, the and you- downside of stuffing all that money into the quarterback's pockets up front. There's a bill to pay at the end in the form of a huge cap charge. But what you know, what you've seen more and more of is that teams take their medicine all in one year. Atlanta took their medicine in 2022. The Giants took their medicine in 2022 from a lot of the deals, the lousy deals that Dave Gettleman did. Um, and I think that when Joe Shane took the job, he said, you know, we'll take our medicine now and we'll be in a lot better shape starting in 2023. And if I were the Bucks, I would do the exact same thing. Don't let your franchise be uh, be bothered uh, for multiple years uh, for what you did in trying to win it all again, trying to run it back, so to speak. You know, take your take your medicine right now. And I think my guess would be that's what Tampa Bay is going to try to do. And I want to mention Byron Leftwich very, very quickly here. He went from being almost the Jaguars head coach a year ago to now out of a job and not even mentioned for these other offensive coordinator vacancies. It just shows you how quickly, Peter, that window can close. And that's why I always say if you're a head coaching candidate and that window's open, don't assume it's going to be open next year. Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator, no reason to think it won't be open for him next year. But a year ago, we just said no reason to think it won't be open for Byron Leftwich in 2023. 
Yeah, and I mean, Ben Johnson wasn't guaranteed to get the Carolina job, although, honestly, I think he would have gotten the Carolina job had he been aggressive and really wanted that job. Uh, but I, I don't. I really don't blame him at all, Mike. He's on an up-and-coming team, and even if the Lions regress a little bit next year, everybody understands what a good coach he is. It's kind of funny. There are two Johnsons in this game right now who are going to be prominent offensive coordinators this year. Brian Johnson in Philadelphia, Ben Johnson in Detroit. And if I had to make a list now of the top seven to ten head coaching candidates in 2024, January of 2024, I would guess the two B Johnsons would both be on that list. We have plenty more coaching news we could discuss, but we are out of time in this segment. Stay tuned at PFT, ProFootballTalk.com, to be more specific for all of the coaching news as the carousel now spins, the secondary and tertiary carousel spins, given that all the head coaching jobs are filled. When we return, Sean Payton has made a vow to utilize a specific strategy that he regards as an abomination until the NFL chooses to outlaw it. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. As far as Burrow goes, I mean, he is cool hand Luke and Paulie Walnuts rolled into one. <laughs> it's quite a comparison and quite a combination. You know, when they put that graphic up, I thought, why does he have Polly Walnuts here? Well, I quickly got the answer. It's amazing how much of what we discuss I completely forget. I don't know. Maybe it's a function of age, but I had no recollection of that discussion whatsoever. So thank you for the reminder. Uh, Joe Burrow is indeed Cool Hand Luke and Polly Walnuts, plus many other great characters all in one. A great character back in the NFL is Sean Payton. And this came from Dean Blandino talking about the Eagles' strategic push of Jalen Hurts. And, Peter, I sent you the clip yesterday from our conversation the morning after the Eagles-Texans game. And I don't want to say we get get credit or blame, but we talked about how teams should embrace the ability to shove the ball carrier, that that rule's been off the books since 2006 – And I haven't gone back and done the research, but it didn't really become prevalent until we started saying they should just do this strategically. The Eagles have been doing it strategically to the point where it seems unfair, to the point where Sean Payton now vows, as he told Dean Blandino on Super Bowl Sunday, he's going to do it constantly until the league outlaws it because it's effective. The problem is it doesn't look good. It doesn't celebrate the athleticism of the players. It's just a big old clot of bodies pushing forward against a defense. It's a dumb play. It always has been a dumb play. It shouldn't exist. Uh, And it's gotten bastardized the longer it stands. And look at how good the Eagles got at it. I don't blame the Eagles. You know what the Eagles are doing? They're taking advantage of a dumb rule. And the NFL's job when there is a dumb rule is to fix it. And I will be shocked, shocked, if they don't fix it after what we've seen this year. Uh, Absolutely unequivocally, it has to be fixed. It isn't football, Mike. It's rugby. I I mean, rugby is a fine sport. But I don't see rugby, uh, you know, I I, I don't see rugby putting jet motions uh, in the game and putting RPOs in the game. You know, I mean... It's 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 a bastardization of the rules and the NFL needs to outlaw it. And here's how this all came to be. Pre-2006, the rule was you couldn't push or pull a runner. And what would happen is from time to time in the open field, you would see at the end of the play, somebody runs up from behind and and shoves the runner. And usually there's a defensive player in the mix, and it never got called. Football Zebras pointed out that that rule hasn't been flagged in 30 years, pulling or pushing the runner. And Mike Pereira explained years ago that they got rid of the rule 
because they, there was never a clear instance of pushing the runner. So it's one thing for it to happen spontaneously in the field of play, and you're not quite sure whether or not there was real assistance and nobody throws the flag. It's another thing to have a strategic design play premised on, as we were riffing that day after this Eagles-Texans game, put you know two defensive linemen back there, put Taysom Hill back there, Put a defensive lineman under center. Add to the physics. Add to the forces and the weight that will propel the ball forward if you really want to take it to the extreme. And, Peter, I think the easy fix is this. Just to outlaw pushing the runner within the tackle box. Just do that. Because then you can still have the spontaneous shove at the end of a play, which isn't a designed aspect of the game. I mean, look, I don't think any shoving or pushing should be allowed. I think once a defensive player... Uh, is in a tackling position on a ball carrier, someone on the ball carrier's team should not be allowed to then contact this little mini scrum and propel the ball carrier forward. The ball carrier should be tackled, period. End of play, end of story. There shouldn't be any pushing allowed, uh, any pushing forward allowed, and there certainly shouldn't be any plays like the Jason Kelsey play. And, and it, it, it really is to the point where it's grown into this strategic thing, and you can't fault coaches for doing it. It's effective. The Eagles have perfected it. And what are we going to see? Other teams will do the same damn thing. And Sean Payton is already vowing to do it. It's, it's kind of a threat, but it's also kind of a promise because it works. Why wouldn't you do it? It works. If you have the bodies, if you have the quarterback who who has the lower body strength to do it, you can make it work. And we're going to see it continue until they get rid of it. Let's take a break. Some news that we've been expecting for over a year regarding Alvin Kamara has finally landed. We'll explain that to you when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. It happened at Pro Bowl weekend 2022. Alvin Kamara arrested at the game, after the game, charged with felony assault. He was officially indicted on Thursday, along with three others, including Bengals cornerback Chris Lamons. Charges of conspiracy to commit battery and battery resulting in substantial bodily harm. The men are accused of hitting and kicking another man after he and Kamara got into a dispute outside of a hotel elevator. Kamara's attorney says he intends to vigorously fight the allegations at trial as he was defending himself and others at the time of the incident. The video shows what it shows. The NFL had not opted to put Alvin Kamara on the commissioner exempt list. I think this is one that the league lets it play out and makes a decision after the criminal case is resolved. This criminal case has hung around for a year now. It's finally resulted in a full indictment, and we'll see how it plays out. At some point, though, Kamara likely facing scrutiny and a potential suspension by the National Football League. We'll take a break. When we return, Peter and I will draft the most memorable moments of the entire 2022 season. We'll do that when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. We have a big announcement that you're going to announce here on the show tonight. I'm very excited about this. You're going to be back in our building in a few weeks. Can you say why you're coming yeah, back? Yeah, for sure. I mean, growing up, um, I was a huge, like, Farley, uh, Farrell, Fallon um, <laughs> kind of guy growing up. And, um, yeah, I used to watch Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live with my mother. And um, it's a, it's an absolute honor and a, and a privilege to be uh, hosting SNL March 4th. <laughs> Jimmy Fallon selling the hell out of that one. I don't know how great it's going to be. We'll find out. Maybe Travis Kelsey has the chops. We've seen other athletes do it over the years. Fran Tarkin was the first one to do it way back when. All of the old episodes of SNL dating back to season one available on Peacock. They are fascinating to watch. But we'll see what Travis Kelsey does. Peter, my first thought when I heard the news was, did Patrick Mahomes say no? Because I figured they would have asked him first. Yeah, probably, Mike. But I think Travis Kelsey 
might be inclined to do to be slightly wilder on the show than Mahomes would be. And I would bet it's only a matter of time before Mahomes does it. I still think one of the great things in recent NFL history and recent SNL history is Peyton Manning playing football on a playground in New York City and screaming at these kids and throwing line drives and hitting them in the back <laughs> and and basically just totally giving them a lifetime of of hellish memories about playing football with Peyton Manning. Yeah, it, uh, it that was very memorable, and we'll see if Travis Kelsey can come close to the bar that Peyton Manning set several years back. Yeah. Most memorable things about the 2022 season, start to finish, open-ended, whatever you want it to be, that's today's draft. Peter, you've got the first pick. What will the 2022 season be remembered for? Well, I think the single most significant event that happened was the DeMar Hamlin story. And, you know, from the time on the Monday night in early January where we all thought we might have seen a death on the football field to the three days of waiting, 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 waiting while he was in a hospital in Cincinnati to essentially him being a great news story when he finally gets up and around and then finally he's sitting at the Super Bowl with Jason and Travis Kelsey's mom. Uh, just, I think everybody is glad that DeMar Hamlin is healthy and, and I believe, uh, if he wants to, uh, should be able to play football again. Yeah. The NFLPA's medical director said last week, he guarantees he'll play again. Alan Sills was more muted in his assessment. Hamlin clearly wants to play. It'll be something if he's able to get back on the field. For me, it was the entire Tom Brady drama, wall-to-wall, start-to-finish, from the training camp absence to the divorce in season to the perceived dip in his play. It seemed like he was constantly creating news. He was the center of the NFL's universe, really from the moment training camp opened until the Buccaneers lost to the Cowboys in the wild-card round of the playoffs. And then he kept making more news, and he continues to make news even after the season ends as all eyes are on Tom Brady and whenever he starts his career as the number one NFL analyst at Fox. But, you know, there have been plenty of great years for Brady. This was a mixed bag, to say the least. But he's still, Peter, at the age of 45, set the single-season record for attempts and completions, which is just amazing. He never had that full-blown Willie Mays moment. No, I mean, he was always... Uh, you know, he won games late. How about having five fourth quarter comeback, fourth quarter overtime comeback victories? Um, Mike, I, number two on my list is going to be Brock Purdy. The last player picked in the draft, 262nd player picked in the draft, comes in in a game that was a gigantic football game in early December. Uh, Miami comes to San Francisco with you know, the greatest show on grass with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and Tua. And what happens, you know, Brock Purdy has to come in the game five minutes into the game and he outplays Tua Tonga-Valoa the rest of the way. And he goes on an eight-game winning streak. And then the drama, the weird, one of the weirdest playoff games in NFL history where the San Francisco 49ers basically finished that game without a quarterback because Brock Purdy can't throw the ball and uh, Josh Johnson is concussed. So it was a very weird, very dramatic year, but an incredible year for young Brock Purdy. I was going to go more broadly with the dawn of the Chiefs dynasty, but we've talked about that enough. I want to make this about the juxtaposition of the Chiefs and the Packers after losing their number one receivers. Good luck fitting that on the screen. But that was one of the big themes of the offseason. Packers without Devontae Adams, Chiefs without Tyree Kill. And when you look at how those two teams went forward and the difference between Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, and maybe that that is the thing that... I can summarize this as being memorable. A stark difference between Mahomes and Rodgers. Mahomes clearly dialed in, locked in, present, available, working with his guys, working with them on his own, 
giving notes to Andy Reid about what these guys do well based upon their workouts in Dallas, not in Kansas City, where Rodgers was aloof and distant and standoffish, and it showed at the end of the day. The Chiefs win the Super Bowl. The Packers kick it in too late to even get to the playoffs, Peter. With that, we're going to take a break. We'll do our third-round picks for the things that will be most memorable about the 2022 season when PFT Live concludes right after this. Well, she was only in one episode of Seinfeld, the favorite TV series ever for both Peter King and myself, but it was memorable. She played herself and she was a menace. She danced in Scarsdale Surprise without moving her arms, and Kramer was tasked with the duty of firing her from the show in order to keep the Tony that he had accidentally received. What? Just just crazy when you think about the convoluted plot of a one-half-hour episode of a show, Peter. But uh, it, it culminated in Raquel Welch and Elaine getting into a fight on the on the street. All right. Uh, How Peter, in the world all last- of that happens in 22 minutes? Is unbelievable. unbelievable. With other things, with show. other things too. Yeah. All right, we got to make yeah. it happen in less yeah. than one minute. Your final pick for the most memorable moment from twenty twenty two, or thing, what Mike, it will be remembered for. The game in Germany that I witnessed between Tampa Bay and uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Here's the reason: I covered the AFC Championship game this year. There was more electricity around this first regular season game ever in Germany. Germany is going to be a key to all international development with the NFL. My pick is very simple. The Justin Jefferson catch. We've seen it many times. I'll never forget that one. And we won't forget you over the next 10 days. We'll be back on February 27. Enjoy next week. Check us out at profootballtalk.com. Have a great day. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.